Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, we're missing about 51 senior adults. I guess they're all in the second service, most of them, but uh, they are on their way to Cape Cod because that's some sort of religious thing. So uh, uh, they're on their way there, but they said they were going to have a devotion in the bus on the way. So we're counting them for Sunday school. Uh, you know, how they, And if it rains, we got 51 baptisms. So it's, it's getting started. So certainly pray for them. Hey, take your Bibles, turn over to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Uh, you know, we're at the time of year now where people are doing a lot of yard work and getting everything ready. Anybody here been doing yard work the last week or two? Yeah, yeah. A few of you, a lot of you are slackers, you know, and uh, you don't care what your yard looks like or, or something else. Uh, but, you know, yard work can be hard. You get hot, you get sweaty, you get tired. And wouldn't it be nice if there was some sort of drink that you could just take and suddenly feel totally refreshed? Now, a lot of things say they refresh you. Uh, refreshing has been one of Coca-Cola's slogans since the very beginning. Here's an ad from back in the 1960s even that, you know, it's a refreshing new feeling. Man, drinking Coke's like being on the beach and having the water hit you, you know. As soon as you drink it, you know, it's unbelievable. And probably a lot of you don't remember because you're not old enough. But anybody remember the Nest Tea Plunge? Oh, yeah, yeah, all you old people remember that. Yeah, the, the Nest Tea Plunge where, where, you know, you just take a little of that terrible stuff and mix it in water and it's like falling into a swimming pool it's totally unbelievable it's the nesty plunge that refreshment that you get from that well over in isaiah 55 uh isaiah is going to talk about refreshment that comes from a drink that will truly fill us in a way that nothing else will now, the background to Isaiah 55 is fairly important. Most people think that this was written during the exile period and that the, the author is trying to encourage the people uh, to leave the comforts of modern-day Babylon and to go back to a burned-out city in Jerusalem. They're not wanting to go. They're not excited about going. Uh, and there's this encouragement uh, to go back to where God would have you to be, to go back to Israel. So turn over to Isaiah 55. And we're going to begin talking about conquering our thirst. And the first thing we see is this. It's actually kind of an unusual thing when you hear it. God is begging you to let him bless you. God begs you to let him bless you. Now, doesn't that sound strange? That the God of the universe is looking at you and saying, please let me bless you. Please let me do things for you. Please let me make your life better. Let me give you strength and resources to meet the problems of this life. Let me help you with all of the things that are going on and swirling around you and the anxiety that overwhelms you. Let me forgive you. Let me restore you. Let me give you eternal life. Let me put my spirit inside of you. God begs us to be blessed by him. That seems strange when you hear the words, but look at how it starts. It starts with the word, Come. Now, that word is used five times in our scripture passage. And if anybody, anybody got a King James Bible out there? Okay, what's the first word in the King James? Yeah, it's ho, ho, a carnival barker. Somebody yelling, hey, I'm trying to get your attention. 
ho, listen up, come. So right at the very beginning, God is trying to get the attention of the people. He's trying to get our attention. He's saying, hey, listen up to what I have to say. The carnival barker yelling at the people, trying to get them to turn around, trying to get them to listen. And look at who he's giving the call to. Come, all of you who are thirsty. So this is a universal call. It goes out to anyone who has need, anyone who is thirsty, anyone who needs God, anyone who needs love and grace and forgiveness. It's a universal call. Anyone that is thirsty, come. And so it doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what race you may be. It doesn't matter how much money you may have. It's a call that's given to anyone. The only thing that's asked of the people is that they be thirsty. Is that they realize that this world hasn't given them everything that they needed and everything that they expected. If you're thirsty, it doesn't matter who you are. You might be from the east end of Louisville, or you might be from the south end of Louisville. I can say that because I grew up in the south end of Louisville. You know, with growing up, you mean third grade. I, I was there to the third grade. But, but, but anyway, you know, uh, so it's a, a call to everyone to come, to all who are thirsty. And what are they called? Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the water. Now, water in, in ancient Israel in this day and age, in this, in this uh, Judean area, water was a very precious commodity. It wasn't something that's just around like you turn the tap on and water comes out. Water was extremely precious. And so come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. Well, how much is it going to cost to get this water? Then he tells us, come, those of you who have no money, come and buy and eat. So it's a great offer of grace too. This is God's unbelievable grace. If you are thirsty, come, I've got water. This water is without price. You don't have to pay for it. Just come and get it. But it's even better than water. Come and buy wine and milk. Now, I don't think you mix those two things. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a great bartender, but I don't think you mix wine and milk. But, but, you know, it's saying get the best. Come and get the very best. It's not just water, man. Come and get the best wine. Come and get the best milk. Buy it without money and without cost. So you have this great call from God at the very beginning to come and get the very best. If you're looking, if you're thirsty, if you need, if you're needy, then God is calling you and begging you to come. Now, here's the question. Why would God have to beg people to be blessed? You would think we'd be standing in line with that. You'd think if I put out on the sign out front, blessings from God handed out at 930, that would have a line of people going down the street here saying, okay, yeah, I'm here for my blessing from God. So why does God have to beg people to be blessed? Well, the main reason is we think that our satisfaction in this world is going to come from the things of the world. And so he's trying to get them to see that's not the case at all. All of these things you think are satisfying you, all of these things you think are giving you what you need, they really aren't going to hold up in the end. Look at verse 2. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread? Why do you labor on that which will never satisfy you? Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest fare. So what Isaiah is telling them here is, hey, the, the things you think are going to make you happy, the things you think are going to give you ultimate satisfaction, they're never going to do it. And so you might say, well, what's going to give me my ultimate satisfaction? Well, if I just had a lot of money. 
And so you get a lot of money. Now, money can buy you things and it can give you distractions, but money's not going to help with a lot of the problems and the things that go on in our life. It's not the ultimate answer to satisfaction. But what about things? Well, if you just had a new house or a new car, well, you get the fanciest house or the fanciest car, but guess what? After a while, they get old, they get torn up, and they don't meet the ultimate answers to what's going on in your life. One day you might get sick. One day you'll have relationship problems. So you have a relationship problem. Maybe you and your spouse are not getting along and and your marriage is, is, is being pulled apart. Do you say, no, 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 I know the answer to that. If we just had a bigger house, I would get along with my spouse. And suddenly you say, hey, the things that we think are going to satisfy us just aren't doing it. And so Isaiah says, why are you spending all your time, all of your energy, all your labor, all of your money on things that will never satisfy you? They may momentarily distract you. It's not that these things are bad. It's not that you don't want any of these things, but they don't give you ultimate satisfaction. And then finally in verse 3, he comes along and he says, Give ear, come to me, hear me, that your soul may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. And so he tells him, just as as I gave my my promise to David, I'm making a promise to you. It's going to be an eternal covenant. It's going to satisfy you. It's because of my love for you. And so here at the very beginning, what we see is God begging people to let him bless them. And saying, look, what you want out of life is never going to be satisfied by the things the world offers. It has to come from somewhere else. It has to come from God. When you look at God pleading in just these first three verses, it's really interesting. Five times in these first three verses, he says, come. Two times he says, listen to me. And one time he says, give ear to me. Just look at the very beginning of verse 3. Uh, or, or the end of verse 2 and verse 3 to see how much God is doing this. Uh, look at the middle of verse 2. Listen, listen to me. And then look at verse 3. Give ear, come to me, listen to me, hear me. Over and over again, five times, come, listen, hear. You know, listen, listen, he actually says at one point. And so God is begging the people to let him bless them. What a strange thought. That right there today, God wants to bless you. He's begging you to let him bless you. And yet you choose the things of the world that will never, ever give you ultimate satisfaction. And so our scripture goes on in verses 4 and 5. And uh, we say, okay, how do I get this blessing? And what God says is what I want in return is for you to repent and come back to me. Now, a lot of people, when they hear that, say, okay, there's the catch. Got to repent and come back to God, you know. Uh, but no, this is a free offer of grace. It would be no more than if somebody said, hey, I- I'm a king. I-, I want to marry you and you'll become the queen. Uh, but to do that, you've got to stop dating other people. And you say, oh, man, I, that's not fair. You know, I can't believe you're doing that. You know, there's always a hitch in there. Right? You're trying to throw that at me again. You know, that's what God's saying. He's saying, okay, you know, I'm giving you this, and all I want in return is for you to come back to me, uh, for you to make me the priority now of what's going on in your life, and then I am here to give you all these things and to bless you. You need to repent and come back to me. Look at verse 4. 
See, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that don't know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. He has endowed you with splendor. And then down to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. So the first thing God says, look, I am, I'm wanting to bless you. I'm begging you to let me bless you. And the time to respond is now. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Come to God while he's near. Right now, the iron is hot. Do something about it. Respond to God. Now, a lot of people would say, well, why do I have to do it today? Will God stop calling me? No, God's always going to be there. He's always going to be calling you. But every day you turn your back on God, every day you say no and choose your own path, it gets easier to do the next day. And not only that, if you're here in this room right now, and oh, you are here in this room right now. So if you're here in this room right now, you're hearing that God is calling you and wants to bless you. And so you're being confronted with that right now. So seek the Lord while he may be found. You're hearing it today. Maybe you didn't hear it yesterday. Maybe you won't hear it again for another two weeks. Today, you're hearing it. God is there. Seek him. He's calling to you. He's right there for you. Don't turn your back when you hear it. I had somebody tell me one time uh, uh, during a revival that, that I was preaching, and, and uh, we just stopped a house and was talking to a guy that had come to the church some, and he said, well, I believe in God, and there's going to come a time when I'll give my life to him and accept him as Lord and Savior. I just don't feel like doing that today. And I thought, why would you wait to let God love you, bless you, make your life better, give you heaven, give you purpose and meaning? Yeah, I think I'll wait another day on that. Doesn't make any sense, does it? And so he says, seek the Lord while he may be found, while he's near. He goes on in verse 7, and he talks about the repentance factor that's necessary. And in repentance, he talks about two things in verse 7. First, he said, let the wicked forsake his ways and the evil man his thoughts. So the first thing he says about repentance is when you come back to God, stop doing the bad things you're doing. One of the things that separated you from God and caused you to be in the situation you are is that you are doing things that are against God and against his will. And so he says, okay, then you need to stop doing those things. And he talks about it in two different ways in verse 6. First, he says, forsake your ways. And then he says, forsake your thoughts. Now, those are two different things. Often when we think of sin, we just think of the action. I did this. It was bad. Therefore, I sinned. But as Jesus showed us in the Sermon on the Mount, sin is a whole lot more than the action Sin starts in the thoughts and the minds. You would have never committed the action if you didn't have thoughts in your mind that said to do this. And that's why Jesus said, well, just because you didn't have opportunity to do something, if it was in your heart and your mind, you were sinning. You know, even if you're angry with someone without a cause, he says, that's a sin even if you don't act upon it. So maybe I don't get to punch you in the face because I didn't see you today, but all day long I think about how mad I'm at you and want to punch you in the face. Well, he said, well, that was sin then. Before, you know, you just lacked opportunity uh, is all it was. So he says, forsake both your evil ways, the things you're doing that aren't pleasing to God, and your thoughts. The battle for sin isn't stopping the action. 
The battle for sin is stopping the thoughts and getting to the thoughts and saying, okay, I need to replace these thoughts with, with positive thoughts. I need to ask myself, why am I feeling this way? Why am I stewing on this? Why is this worrying me? Why is this making me so anxious? It's the thoughts that pull us down. The actions come later. So the first part of repentance then is, okay, I need to stop the things I'm doing, both my thoughts and my actions. Then the second thing it says in verse 7, let him turn back to the Lord and he will have mercy on him to our God, for he will freely pardon. So repentance involves two things. It it revolves stopping the bad and then it means starting doing the good. Now I gave you an example a couple of weeks ago, but it was just so good. I'm going to give it to you again. So this is what repentance is. This is God's will, and the best for my life is to walk this direction. I, however, choose what I want, and I start walking this direction. And so God keeps telling me, hey, look, you're hurting yourself by what you're doing. You're hurting other people. You're making your life less. And uh, so finally, I figure this out. Okay, I'm making a mess of my life. There's something wrong. And so I stop the wrong direction I'm going. Am I where God wants me to be now? No. I've just stopped going in the wrong direction. So the first part of repentance is stop going in the wrong direction. The second part is to turn around and start going in the direction God wants you to go. So that's repentance is to stop the bad, to start going and doing what God would have you to do in the first place. And so we have the two things now. God begs us to let him bless us. The second thing that we see is that then what God does is he says, okay, all I want then is for you to return to me, to repent and return to me. And when that happens, I'm going to bless you. And that brings us to the third thing that we see. Why then don't people do that? Because this has been a universal call that God's given for a long time. So why don't we respond to God wanting to bless us? And one of the things is, if God's really not in your life, and if you haven't walked with him a lot, and if you haven't had experiences with him, you don't know if you can really trust him to just give your whole life over. And so the next thing he talks about in verses 8 through 11 is this. Don't worry, God's promises are dependable and can be trusted. God's promises are dependable and can be trusted. Because here's what happens. I tell you, God loves you. God wants to bless you. God wants to make your life better. God wants to restore you and strengthen you and encourage you. The other things in life don't satisfy. And do you know what goes through your mind as soon as I say that? Yeah, I've heard that before. You know, I've heard that a lot of times. You know, everybody says that. If I just buy the right dandruff shampoo, I'll I'll get to marry a beautiful woman and woman become a millionaire. I've seen it on the commercial. It's just the right dandruff shampoo. And guess what? I bought that dandruff shampoo and I've got more dandruff than I did before and I still can't get a date. You know, and and they promised me all this. If I just eat the right chocolate bar, I'm going to be eternally happy. You know, that's all it is. And then I ate that chocolate bar and it tasted nasty. And I still wasn't happy at the end of it. And so you say, I've heard this before. There's a lot of noise out there saying life will be good if you just follow us and do what we're saying. I've heard that over and over again. So why should I trust God when he says it? Everybody's made these offers. So how come God's is right and nobody else's is? I think it's all a scam and I don't buy any of it. So look down to verse 8. Isaiah says, look, God says to you, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways. 
So the first thing Isaiah says is this. Hey, look, you're comparing yourself to other people, but we're talking about God here. God's not another person. God's not another person. Man, in Greek mythology, you know, the gods in Greek mythology, they were petty, uh, they were weak, they had all the human frailties, and the gods were worse than the people. And what Isaiah tells us here is, hey, look, this isn't that God. His thoughts aren't your thoughts. His ways aren't your ways. You are a weak, sinful, fallen human being. He is an all-powerful, holy, almighty God. When you compare your promises and what the world promises you to what God promises, it's not in the same vein. They're different things. He goes on in verse 9. He says, the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts your thoughts. He says, look, God is higher, holier, stronger, better. When he makes a promise to you, you can depend on his promises. His ways are so much higher than our ways. And then he gives an example in verse 10. And the example is just, hey, look, when the rain and the snow comes down, uh, it doesn't return until it waters the earth. And when it waters the earth, it makes the buds flourish and the seeds come up. Basically, it's this. Hey, guess what? April showers bring May flowers. And it happens every single year. And so when the, when, the, when the spring starts coming, you say winter's about to be over. These showers are going to bring flowers. And it happens every single year. He says, look, if God is reliable in the weather, and you can say the winter's about to end, spring's coming, and flowers are going to bloom, and God does that with the, with the earth and with the weather, what's God going to do for you, his most valuable creation, when he makes a promise to you? Every year, God does the same with winter, spring, and summer. And he says, and now God wants to do the same thing in your life. It is true. It is dependable. You can count on it. God is not going to give up until he blesses you like he tells you he is going to bless you. read an interesting story about a mom in China this week. And uh, she had a, a baby by the name of Ding Ding. And uh, he had cerebral palsy. He was very sick. Uh, when he was born, and the doctors told her, you just need to let the baby go and let him die. And the mom said, I'm not going to do that. This is my child. God gave him to me. I'm not going to let the child die. And they said, well, he's not going to live. You're just wasting your time. And she says, I'm going to take care of my baby. So she began to take care of the baby. The baby lived. He had, he had a lot of very severe problems uh, going on, but he lived. And then he got ready to start school. And they said, he can't come to school because he's got too many health issues. He's not smart enough. He's going to hold the other kids behind. He can never get through school. And the mom says, well, that's what you say, but I'm going to take care of my child. I'm going to take, I'll educate him myself then, but my child's going to learn. And there's a picture of her and Ding right there. Uh, she's trying to teach the child and help him to grow. So all of these things over and over being told, it can't be done. It'll never work. You might as well give up. One mother kept trying to do that. Do you know what happened this week? That young man graduated from Harvard Law School. All because one mom said, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to make sure my son has this blessing. If one mom does that for a child she loves so much, what's the Lord of the universe going to do for you? How much he loves you. And so we see God is dependable. When he says something, he's going to follow through on it. You can believe it and you can trust it. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. When we return to God, great blessings await us. 
When we come back to God, great blessings are there. Look down to verse 12, verse 12 of our scripture passage. You will go out in joy and you will be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into songs before you. The trees, the fields will clap their hands. So here we have all of these things going on in our life, all of these things that are hitting us. And we're told, guess what? God wants to give you joy. He wants to give you peace. When you walk down the street, trees are going to start clapping. Oh, man. It's David Atcher. Woo. How would you like to walk down the street and have trees start clapping for you? That's pretty good, isn't it? Well, God says, that's the kind of blessing I'm going to give you. That you're going to be filled with joy and peace. Does that mean we never have any problems? No. Joy isn't happiness. Happiness is a temporary emotion that comes in joy and comes and goes. Joy is saying, I have a faith and a security and a trust that God's always there. He always cares and I can meet anything. You can have joy even in the midst of terrible situations in your life. So he says, I'm going to give you joy. The second thing he's going to give you is peace. Does that mean you're never going to have any problems? You don't need peace if you don't have any problems. You need peace when you have problems. So he doesn't say everything disappears. He says, I'm going to give you joy. I'm going to give you peace. In verse uh, 13, he says, instead of the thorn bushes, pine trees are going to grow. Instead of sticker bushes, the myrtle tree is going to grow. And it will be for the Lord's renown, an everlasting sign which will never be destroyed. You can depend on it. God's there. God wants to bless you. Sheena Davenport is from Dalton, Alabama, and she hit some hard times, and she was arrested at Walmart uh, by a police officer by the name of Officer Katrina, and she was arrested at Walmart for stealing some food, sticking it in her coat. When she went to uh, trial and got before the judge, the judge said, did you do this? And she said, yes, and she started crying, and she said, I knew it was wrong. I knew it was wrong when I was doing it. But, but I didn't have a job. I didn't know how I was going to get any food. Uh, and I did something really stupid, and I'm so, so sorry. Well, the judge didn't throw her in jail. He gave her community service and told her that she was banned from ever going to Walmart again, which was probably the worst thing in the world, you know, that, that could have happened. And uh, so she's leaving the, the courtroom, and Officer Katrina comes up to her and says, will you come with me for a second? And she said, well, she immediately got, I don't want to go with the police officer that arrested me. And she said, no, no, come to me. And she takes her out to her police car and she says, get in. And she says, oh, I don't know about getting in the police car with you. You know, is this one of those things where you take me down the alley or something like that? You know, I, I'm not real sure about this. So she gets in the police car, Officer Katrina against her better judgment. And Officer Katrina drives her to Winn-Dixie, gets out and says, get a car. Goes in and says, get everything that you could possibly think of for you and your daughter. She gets $139 worth of groceries, and then Officer Katrina pays for it. And she says, why would you do this? And the police officer said this, I was a single mom, and I didn't know how I was going to get by. But you know what? God has blessed me, and I'm now, I've got an education. I'm a police officer, and I want to help other people the way that people helped me. And this is a piece picture of Sheena and Officer Katrina uh, right there uh, after they had gone to Winn-Dixie that day. You see, sometimes we're afraid when all God wants to do is bless us. 
He's trying to take us to Winn-Dixie to buy groceries. And we're afraid to get in the car with him. And it's a shame because all he wants is to bless. You know, one of the clear signs of God's blessing to us is what Jesus did on the cross. Going to the cross, taking our sins upon him and dying in our place. Just a second, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And as the elements are being passed, if you'll just hold both of them, and in just a second, we'll take them together. Well, let's have a prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you that you want to bless us. Father, help us to receive that blessing with joy, knowing that you are dependable. And in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.
Thank you, Emily. It's beautiful. Maybe this week uh, you've gotten a little disillusioned at times. And you thought, is this it? Is this all the world has to offer? Some more things? A little fame or publicity? And this is it? Surely there's got to be more. And there's so much more. Things that will satisfy your deepest desires. You know, Jesus said it's all about relationships, your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. And Jesus said that this is the body of Christ. It's broken for you. Maybe this week you've been some places you shouldn't have been, done some things you shouldn't have done. You've walked the wrong way for quite a while. And all God says is turn around, recognize me, and I'm going to forgive pardon, restore, pull you back to me, and bless you. Even though we've been going the wrong way, he wants us to bless him. You see, we get this idea in our head that God's out there wanting to punish us because we've messed up. God's not wanting to punish you because you messed up. He's wanting you to come the right way so he can bless you. And so he's just calling to you now five times. Oh, listen, come. Because this is the blood of Christ which forgives your sins. We go into this time of invitation and I guess I just want to say the words of our scripture passage. Ho! Hey! Listen! Listen! Wake up! God wants to bless you. He is begging you. To let him bless you. And the only thing in this world that can keep you from receiving God's blessing isn't the devil or the culture or other people influencing you. The only thing that will keep you from being blessed by God this week is you if you refuse to accept. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.